Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. We have a great episode for you today. It is with Amanda Zeller, who is a character comedian, sketch writer, director, and all-around awesome person. But first couple things to mention. Big thanks to Chunshin Lee for supporting the podcast and newsletter. We put out a festival blog every month, and Lee thanks us for that, which we greatly appreciate. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can. We have a tab on our website, thereitispod.com, that will take you to support options. On to today's episode, Justina fiance of the show, and I adore Amanda Zeller. She's so funny and inventive and kind, and I was thrilled to get to talk to her about her work. We have a link in the bio for a show that she's doing this Saturday, the 9th of September, at 7.30 at the Magnet Theater, called Character Night, and a host of talented people will be performing characters on that show. It's a great show to check out. So after hearing her talk about her work here, you can go see her this Saturday. So I hope you do that. We have, again, a link in the bio for you to get tickets. All right, let's get right to it. Here's my chat with Amanda Zeller. Amanda, been a big fan for a long time. Long time. You're so funny. You're so nice. Oh, my goodness. When someone is as nice as you are and as talented as you are, it's sort of like, We'll give this person all the awards, all the fame, all the fortune, because it's people like this who deserve <laughs> the that stuff. You know what I mean? Because I, I'm, I don't know about you, but I've grown very tired of jerks being the ones at the top. So I wanted to be more of the Amanda Zellers at the top. Oh my God! Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that kind of like level of fame puts a lot of like thinking about that puts a lot on people. But I know like you're you're just great. Oh, my God. This is the nicest. Thank you. (laughs) As you know, (laughs) as you know, you know, Jacina, fiance of the show, she also adores you. And it wasn't in a moxie at the magnet isn't a class, is it? Is it more no. like we're we're getting together and we're writing, but people learn. It's sort of like a little bit of of teaching, but more just to get things off the ground so people know what to do. But other than that, you all are writing sketches. Yeah. So Moxie actually came about oh every single I actually haven't done Moxie since our second year into COVID. We did it virtually and it was it was so much it was great, but it was mm-hmm. it was a lot of work. And I actually, I haven't done it since things have reopened. It hasn't gone on since things were reopened because it was pre-pandemic when Justina did it. I think think when we, I'm the worst. Every single year when (laughs) we would do the intro for Moxie, I would have to stop and pause for minutes 
to try and figure out what anniversary <laughs> it was. And I was always wrong. <laughs> and I think, I think when COVID hit, it was our 10th anniversary. And it was started by Beth Newell of Reductress, actually. Right. Yeah. She started it. And I didn't participate the first year. I was in a class during the meeting time, but I really wanted to be involved and wanted to do it. And I got involved the second year. Mm-hmm. But it came about because things have changed a little bit, <laughs> in my opinion. But back in the day, it's like in, in New York, it would, there was big trends with how theaters were casting and the mm-hmm. types of people that you would see on stage. And for the most part, especially for a house team, that there were eight people on a team, one of those slots was for a woman. And it didn't right. really matter how many women were auditioning, even though the number of men that were auditioning were significantly more. Mm-hmm. Every single team, it was the same ratio. It was the same breakdown. You were very, very lucky if you saw two women on a team together. That's just how it was. Moxie mm-hmm. uh, came about. It started at the Magnet. At the time, Magnet Sketch Teams, now Livewire. And we were sort of like experiencing the same sort of thing. And we just wanted to have more representation, more voices. And we just wanted to be able to create environments where women could collaborate together because the way that the teams were structured it was still very male dominated so i believe i'm the worst with numbers (laughs) but the first year i think it was 27 women and since then it's been up to like 150 folks being able to participate and being showcased yeah has become for women trans and or non-binary comedians You can just have an interest in performing or writing. It's for you. We're mm-hmm. not going to know to you. And it's completely free. We, except for, we do collect money because we, unfortunately, we, we can't pay for the tech and we film everything. There's all these other right. things. In terms of mm-hmm. just being able to be within the classroom, to meet folks, to collaborate together, that experience is free. It's over the course of three months or so. And it's three months because it's two months of write. It's it's two months of introduction, writing, mm-hmm. casting, rehearsals, and then it's like three weeks of shows. About yeah. so that's what that third month is. It's just those three weeks of shows. But yeah, the last time we did it live, we got shut down right as we were entering tech to go yeah. into COVID. Right. But I remember I had a talk with Ludden that morning, and I think six hours had gone by. Mm-hmm. And I pulled the plug and it was literally like, I think we can do it. And then we can't do it. And the next year we had done it virtually. And I actually, everyone will say something different. It was a completely different experience. And when COVID hit, I have such respect and admiration for everybody who had explored what this digital frontier was like for improv for creating sketch, mm-hmm. for for everything. I applaud everybody who did it week after week, day after day, and especially at the Magnet with the musical improv and figuring out how do we play music. Oh my gosh, I'm just in awe of everyone. When we did Moxie online, I don't remember the date because I'm terrible with numbers, <laughs> but I got so much out of it. and. Yeah. The folks who participated that year, and I think this was the case for a lot of theaters, they weren't just in New York. We had folks all over the world. And when I was mm-hmm. teaching online too, most of my class were not Americans. It was awesome. It was great. Oh, that's cool. Oh, it was so cool. I had folks signing in at like 2.30 in the morning to take my classes. And I was like, are you serious? This is great. <laughs> this is great. But being able to give that opportunity for folks, not just in New York, but 
across the the country, across the world was great. A lot of them ended up getting more involved with Sketch within New York. And a lot of them who are not even in the city did a lot of digital programs following up. So a lot of good did come from from things with being able to collaborate and meet people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how Justina met you and several other people in the Magnet community was through Moxie. I knew of you for a long time before actually officially meeting you. We met at a show Hunter Gardner asked yeah. us both to do. That may have been BCC. When I met you, I believe it was at Vital Joint. I think it, it was, was Vital Joint. You're right. Yeah. That is where it was. So that's where I met you and you did a, a bit there. And I know you for your character work and sketch work. But I just moved to New York too late. You were doing a bunch of improv before that. <laughs> like, like there are some classic megawatt teams you were on, like the Flood. Uh, yeah. A lot of a lot of great performers on on the team drum. Zeppelin had a lot of great performers. Like all all of the teams you're on had a just were stacked with great improvisers. Wow. <laughs> and I'm so, I'm sad that I missed that era. But you, so I know you're from Houston, Texas. Hell yeah. Uh, you, <laughs> and you went to Fairfield University, studied theater. You mm -hmm. also studied clown. Mm -hmm. When did performing comedy or performing in general become a thing for you? Like what what bug bit you? Was it the theater bug or was it the comedy bug that bit you? And and how young were you when you when you got bit? Comedy always. Yeah. Always. Just always. <laughs> I wanted to do theater when I was in school in Houston, and I didn't do it for the pettiest reasons. Uh, <laughs> I was in a theater class, and there were so many people in the class, and I didn't want to be with all these folks. <laughs> so I, I, I dropped the class and did choir instead of theater because it was less people. It was oh, like the biggest reason. And I just told myself, I'll do theater in college. I don't know why I um When I went off to college, that's when college for me was always when I was going to be able to make choices for myself as opposed mm. to. Mm -hmm. things determined by other factors mm -hmm. the second that i moved into my dorm i went to fairfield university they gave me a, a, a free ride like i couldn't say no to going to this school in connecticut even though it's a nursing yeah. school a business school and i was one of five theater majors who graduated it's very much not a liberal arts school i should have gone to a liberal arts school <laughs> uh, but fairfield is like a block away from the metro north so I would go into the city constantly to go and study comedy in the city. And one of my closest friends I actually met at Fairfield, you know, Evan Barden. Evan Barden was a senior oh. when I was a freshman. And oh, cool. during orientation week, him and this other fantastic comedian, Tony DaCosta, mm -hmm. were the seniors trying to get people to sign up to join the improv club on campus. So I signed up and I met Evan like day one. Wow. Of yeah, and then years later, you were on a magnet team together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. What a full... I didn't even realize it's like such a full circle. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's sweet. So, yeah. yeah, so you got to do that in college, which is great. That's a very similar experience to what I had because I was, for some reason not interested in doing theater in high school. I wanted to be an actor, 
But yeah, I was same. just like TV film can't do that here, you know, like can't get get into that yet. I'm in South Carolina, and someone suggested theater, and I was like, "Huh, no." <laughs> like, yeah. I, it just didn't make sense to me for some reason. Of course, I should have, but I wish I had had someone that I could have talked it out with, who could have said, "No, no, no." And actually, I think it would be good for you, or at least maybe these measures, but. I just didn't have a voice like that. And I did feel like there was a lot of someone else making decisions for me at that time. So I, too, when I got to college, was like, I'm going to do my thing. But I, I, what's funny is I still didn't end up really doing it because I was like, I signed up to be a theater major. And my dad was like, I think mass comm would make more sense for you. And so I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I switched to mass comm. Which I was actually kind of glad about because it was good because I was a theater minor. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And so yeah. I still got that. But I was I was like a credit away from being a double major. I wish I had just gotten that other credit. But, I, you know, I, I only kind of did what I wanted to. And then when I got out of school, I only kind of did what I, yeah. what I really wanted to. It took I a while for me to actually get into it. I, would, I talked to a lot of folks about what's stopping us from doing what what we love mm-hmm. and I always think it has to do with with our fear fear of failure it's totally fear it's completely it and feeling loving something so much and wanting something so much makes us feel so vulnerable and just as people as as how we're built as this, like, a human being as an animal mm-hmm. the second we feel vulnerable we want to protect ourselves and yeah. we don't want to go all the way because of it. And we have to do it. And it's <laughs> yeah. so hard overcoming that. Yeah. <laughs> I get I'm, it. Completely. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize how much fear was getting in my way until last week. I am in a group doing the artist way. And it's all previous guests of the podcast. It's Justina. It's Hunter Gardner. It's Meg Pearson. It's Lisa Betancourt. And we're reading it and loving it. And there's a section in there where... Julia Cameron talks about how you're not lazy, it's fear. It's not Mm -hmm. procrastination, it's fear. Call it what it is. You are afraid of failing. You're afraid of looking dumb. You're afraid of these different things. I was like, holy crap, that's why I'm putting stuff off sometimes. It's because what if it doesn't work out when I need things to work out? Like it's it really makes you like process things and and kind of get to the nitty gritty and then be kind to yourself. Yeah. She really goes out of her way in that. And also in therapy, they go out of their way of saying, be kind to yourself, show yourself compassion because your artist, your artistry, like at your core of who you are is sensitive. Yeah. Julia Cameron speaks of it as like your child, your artist child. Yeah. When people talk about you have to get vulnerable to perform art and to create art mm-hmm. and, and to, to put it out there, you have to be in a very vulnerable place. And that's a scary thing. So, of course, you would be fearful. Yeah. It's also whenever I'm feeling really precious over things, mm-hmm. it's also like rewiring your brain or how you're looking at it. Mm-hmm. Like with improv, I always reflect back on when I had first started doing improv. And I'm a currently (laughs) I consider myself like I'm a very physical performer. I'm very loud. I'm not afraid to like really tap into my emotions and turn them up to however big they need to go. That's something Mm -hmm. that like I always try and do when I when I go on the stage. I feel like that's kind of how I play. 
not by choice, just like how my performance door and me walking through, that's usually what comes out immediately. Uh And I always reflect back to when I had first started doing improv, you couldn't get me off the back line. I was terrified Mm. to step out. If somebody was like, I'm going to turn on the lamp, I would be the lamp. Like I didn't want, I was scared. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But with improv, I actually think for those who are like having blocks, like doing improv is actually great because if you fail, you have the next scene right after it. If you fail, you have the next scene right after it. And it takes a lot of that preciousness off of it. It reminds you that like you're just playing. Mm -hmm. You're playing and you're seeing what works and you're taking that and you're holding on to that. And the stuff that doesn't work, you're also like, okay, well, why didn't that work? Let me look at that. So then when I try again, I'll see if I could change that up. Or if it keep if it keeps happening, okay, it's a habit. Now, how do I change mm-hmm. it? Applying that kind of stuff to other aspects of art, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's very much like every, especially with improv, it's a first draft. I teach a lot of writing. I write a lot, and that's also very very common with writers as well. Getting feedback on writing, sometimes folks don't want to change what they wrote, and I actually think writing is really easy because. Mm-hmm. It's on a sli- it's on a it's on a slice of pizza. I'm sorry, I'm hungry. It's on a piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I realized it's like, oh, it's almost 1:30 and I too skipped to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's on a piece of paper. You making edits and printing that out. You still have that first piece of paper. Now you mm-hmm. have this second piece of paper so you could see how did it change? What's working? If you want to go back to that first draft or that second draft or whatever draft, like you still have that piece of paper. You still have yeah. that draft saved on your computer. It's not going anywhere. Be embracing that play mm-hmm. and emphasizing that it is play. It's not a criticism. It's not right. anything. It's just us growing and looking at things differently and trying things out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I like that too, because you know, sometimes when you're working on something, someone wants to change something out of fear that they shouldn't change. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because sometimes, like, really, I'm I'm kind of realizing choices that people make, especially weird choices. It's really just their brand of of comedy. Like that is their voice, mm. and sometimes that voice hasn't been honed. Or maybe it hasn't been equipped enough or, you know, shined up enough or molded enough. Like it's maybe it's like a, a novice stage of its maybe it's in or its like a habit or something. Yeah. Right. But sometimes people want to change the weirdness. It's like, no, that's not what needs to change. Maybe you need to deliver it differently so that it works. But the reason it does not work right now is not because of how you think. It's you, in, in other words, like I'm still working this out, so I, I don't necessarily know how to word it right now. I'm but, with you. I'm with you, though. Thank you. But it's like your voice is what needs to get out. It doesn't need to be changed to someone else's voice. It needs to be your voice. And how you get your voice out, that's the part that maybe needs to be molded or changed. But your voice doesn't need to change. Yeah. And it's just sometimes, depending on where you are in your journey of comedy, it's not necess- It's not really ever necessary to change your voice. Maybe you need to sort of grow your comedy brain. Yeah. But you don't need to change your voice. It's really yeah. all about how you are presenting your voice that needs to be 
crafted or honed or worked out so that you can really do it better. Yeah. The word that I keep thinking about is direction and how you're mm-hmm. redirecting it. Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, we shouldn't be, cha- no one should be changing their voice, period. But being in touch with yourself and like what yeah. makes you smile first, that's what you need to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not what you think other people are going to laugh at or like, oh, I love this comedian. I have to perform like them, but you're not them. You're not right. them. Right. You might, if you take on that, I always love that as like a prompt, slight tangent of like perform as like ex celebrity because uh-huh. it 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 still is ultimately you. Yeah. Like it take on that celebrity. <laughs> yeah, really. Unless you're like genius at impressions, like you know Jim Carrey or somebody, it's still just like the the badness of someone's impression makes a makes the character. Oh yeah, a fun character. You know, like if you try to get me to do an impression of Matt Damon. Then it's really just how I view Matt Damon. So it's really just me <laughs> because that's kind of a hard impression to do. So it's just like what I find funny about Matt Damon or odd about Matt Damon. And so now I just have a character that's not at all Matt Damon, but it's also not, you know, it's not just my standard way of presenting either. So it ends up being like a fun little character. Who played Don Draper? John Hamm. John Hamm. Thank you. I got cast as that. <laughs> I got cast as Don Draper and I had to do an impersonation of John Hamm uh-huh. and Jason. It was the worst impersonation. <laughs> where was where were you cast in that? It was I had taken a break from sketch teams at the Magnet and I reapplied and I was on a team and it was like the first sketch out the gate was like a Mad Men parody and I got cast as Don Draper and I like I had never seen Mad Men before and I I spent like two weeks watching Mad Men during my downtime to try and like okay like who is Don Draper what are John Hamm's mannerisms as Don Draper and like I came in and I was like all teeth like I was I know this people will be able to see it that's what I came with and I was like it's perfect I look just like him and everyone was like no you don't I was like of course I don't I know that this is where I am so funny (laughs) my starting point is his teeth that's so that's not even the part I would probably like and this is again just like the difference of people it's not where I would have started I would have started with like (laughs) shoulders and his tone of voice and then like his arm holding a cigarette oh yeah yeah but that still wouldn't have been right (laughs) That's still like, still wouldn't have been right, but (laughs) it's, but it's so great. I mean, you know, if they needed to be like so close to Don Draper, fine. But if it's an improv scene or like some wild parody or something like that, then like your, your version is hilarious. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) So you've done. At this point, this, you know, August of 2023, I don't mean this point (laughs) in the time period we were talking about. What have you done more of? Character, sketch stuff, or improv? Oh, goodness. I think I'm at the halfway point. For the longest time, Mm -hmm. I had only done improv. I I forgot when I stopped doing improv. I still improvise rarely. But um, I think I officially started focusing solely on writing and characters I'm 33. I'll be 34 in a few days. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you so much. I think it was when I was just turning 30. I kind of just 
decided I'm I don't need to do improv. Like I, I not that I don't need to do improv. I think improv is fantastic, but I only have so much time in my week. And... Yeah, it's tough, tough, tough to do. I mean, that schedule, the weekly meetings, especially if you're writing sketch, like there's so many meetings to go to. And then also there's show night for improv and a rehearsal night for improv. So it is tough to balance all of those. Yes, it's so hard. And when improv is working, improv is heaven. It's absolute Mm -hmm. heaven. And with writing, though, for me, as myself, as my comedian, I get more out of out of writing and performing because I love going on the road a lot. Mm-hmm. But currently I'm I'm doing mainly characters, but I was doing improv until maybe like 29. And mm-hmm. then I started writing at 24. So I started improv at 17. <laughs> Whatever oh, wow. the been 12 years of improv and almost 10 years of writing. So I was improv yeah. is still in the lead. Yeah. But right now, I'm primarily just doing character work. I'm actually mm-hmm. back at school. I left. I was directing a lot of sketch teams, mm-hmm. and I went back to school for acting. So I'm in an acting conservatory currently. What um, conservatory are you in? I'm studying at Terry Knickerbocker Studio. It's out in Industry City. It's fantastic. The Very teachers cool. are wonderful, and I love my classmates dearly. It's truly been a wonderful experience thus far. I've That's been growing excellent. a lot. It's <laughs> a person and as a performer, I hope. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank uh, you. And also you had a big moment last year because you were in Montreal Sketch Fest. Yes. Yeah. Oh, how, yeah. how exciting was that to get into that? Oh, I love Mo- Montreal is my favorite place. Uh, mm. I really leave New York and going to Montreal. But um, I had gotten you know, a, an award last year. We're on camera. People aren't going to see it. I was like, oh, it's right there. I'll bring it over. But I won the Lifetime Achievement Award last year at Montreal Sketch Fest, which was massive. It was massive because I'm a, a solo performer. I'm not a mm-hmm. true I'm myself. And also, it's very rare that Americans get awards in Toronto, in Canada, just anywhere in Canada. So that I got awarded that was so humbling and so like, ah, yes, oh, it was <laughs> it was so wonderful. And I had a great show. Oh, oh, I'm notorious for running so long. <laughs> <laughs> but I ran so long because I was having such a ball here. <laughs> but it, oh, it was so touching. It was so heartwarming. And oh, I love everybody up there. Oh, wonderful community. If you ever go up to Montreal, check out Gatineau Saint Catherine. They're the best folks in the whole wide world. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I've not been to Montreal. Um, got to go, gotta Jason. Go. I gotta go. I gotta go. You've done a couple of short films. Now you did something. That's been on Adult Swim, and you've also been on Disney Plus. What were those credits? I was on a dating show for Adult Swim. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually don't even remember what it was called. I was on a uh, dating show, and then I was on the Big Fib, which is a show on Disney Plus. I was show. also on the Big Fib. Oh, I did not know you were also on. I missed that yeah. episode. Were you season I, one or season two? You know, I actually don't know. I was on with this penguin expert who was wonderful. She oh, was great. So for people who haven't checked it out yet, so Big Fib is a kid game show hosted by Vet Nicole Brown. Amazing. And uh, Reese Darby was the sidekick robot character. Also amazing. And the way they do it is they have a real expert and a fake expert. They do two rounds per episode. 
the premise of the game is that kids are supposed to guess who the real expert is. The first round, they do a very over-the-top fake expert to make it just obvious that they're not real. And then the second round, you're really trying to be embody. It's more grounded. You're really It's not for laughs. You're really trying to pretend to be the yep. real expert, and they're grilling you with questions. I was in the second round where I, where I was playing. I was supposed to play very real. Which round were you in? I was in the second round. Oh, okay. Okay. You could have nailed the first round. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The second round is tough because they just give you a bunch of leeway to do jokes. Yeah. No, it was. And they also, just like any other big production, like everyone's always flying by the seat of their pants and, and like figuring stuff out day of. So they give, they, they gave me this big packet and they were like, it was so much information. And then oh, I got a big packet. I think I just got a little email. <laughs> I mean, they were like, here's a bunch of stuff. And it was like, I had a dinosaur stuff. And I was like, man, this is a lot. And then they were like, it won't be this much. We'll figure it out later. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I go to the like the day of, they're like, okay, here are the questions that you're going to be asked. Here are the answers. Memorize those. And it's like, Okay, this is tough stuff to like memorize in a little bit. So I kind of like, I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus. I'm just saying, like, the experience was and like the nerves of being on TV and having, yeah, it was overall a fun experience. What were the kids? So they did two kids, they may have been twins in my episode, but I think they usually just did one kid. Yeah, mine was one kid. So I had two brilliant kids who they knew that I was not the real expert because I said the Latin for something meant something else than it actually means. They were like, oh, we've studied Latin, so we know that that... And I was like, jeez. Wow. <laughs> like, these are 12-year-olds. They've studied Latin? <laughs> so I was like, good That's for amazing. them. Yeah. I remember being so nervous to go on TV. And the the it was a little girl who was who was my kid she like came out tap dancing and spinning around and i felt like this is a character like i was just backstage seething with jealousy being like why can't i be like this kid (laughs) they're so confident (laughs) oh she's gonna know i'm the liar of me That's hilarious. But you're so, isn't that funny though? Like, I, I'm curious about this. Like, the comparison game gets kind of tough. Yeah. You can't let it bother you. I think, I mean, it's why people say things aren't really ever about you. It's always about that person. Like, so, like, if you like something about someone else, it's usually because they can do something you don't think you're good at. Oh, interesting. And that's why you were, you know, maybe jealous or envious or. Yeah, it creates these sort of emotions within us. Right. When it's like you're good at a bunch of things. Maybe you're not as good as you want to be at that. Or maybe you are really good at that, but you think you're not. And you see this person excelling at it. So it's like, isn't that a weird thing about this business we've gotten ourselves into? Yeah, it's. It's. It is. 
it's um i've been being your therapist will smile at me and so will the artist play i've been so gentle with myself Mm -hmm. and when i have emotions like that of being so green with envy over a shot (laughs) (laughs) letting myself experience that and not like feeling shame for it and then acknowledging it and be like okay i'm jealous because of x y and z great moving on (laughs) right the person i'm beating myself up over it just like noticing it and then letting it not yeah is been something that something new new yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and and like it can make you sort of have an appreciation of like wow i'm glad at least that kid has that you know like you can turn into just appreciation for their for for what you admire in somebody else she was jealous of me for shaking for, with nerves backstage. <laughs> I well, wish a... I could feel as strongly. As... <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there, there are enough times, too, where someone's like, oh, Jason, you're good at this. And I'm like, huh? And yeah. why are they saying it? Because I want to be like them. You know. Yeah. So it's like none of it matters. <laughs> just just believe in yourself. And that's also where like watching tape can be good. Just of saying like, oh, actually did well with this. And thought I didn't okay (laughs) like and it it can just give you a little boost of just getting comfortable with doing stuff and not being too in your head about it yeah oh yeah that's huge (laughs) (laughs) but that is thing that is easier said than done for sure so you have done as I mentioned like all these different fun cool things what it's probably a tough question to answer but what has been your favorite thing that you've done oh gosh like any piece or show you got to do or got to be on or achievement that you felt you had sure the lifetime achievement award in montreal was massive for me that was incredible yeah currently i am challenging myself to create a new character every single month like totally polished like props thought through all the tech that the movement of everything and I've been really proud of myself with what I've been able to generate and I feel like a lot of the the work I'm creating right now like I'm finding incredibly exciting mm-hmm. um my character work still I guess is what is is still really exciting for me I'm I'm constantly just trying to learn and to keep working on things and being easy on myself if it's not perfect yet or if I'm not like a master at something yeah I like I've, I've filmed a lot of stuff that I'm still like I'm I'm editing so many things still and every time I'm able to do like a little bit of editing on something I'm so proud of it I thought this thing I think it's it's coming up on two years ago and it makes me so it's fine it's fine that it was two years ago it's fine <laughs> yeah. like I'm animating a lot of stuff within it and it's just been taking so so very long but every time I finish a little bit of this animation i'm so proud of myself i've taught myself animation it's not something i went to school for it's just me learning from youtube yeah (laughs) we're in such a good era because you can learn so much on youtube yeah (laughs) yes completely the potential we as a human race have right now is pretty it's like maybe higher than ever (laughs) and a lot of people are squandering it by like Looking at the dumbest things on the internet. No, we need the dumb stuff. We need the dumb stuff. We're the creators of the dumb stuff. No, no, no. Not that (laughs) dumb stuff. (laughs) I am all for 
Kyle Gordon's Planet of the Base, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> that stuff needs to exist. I mean, oh, yeah. dumb stuff that's like, you know, not good for the soul, you know, like the like QAnon stuff. Like that's oh, the dumb yeah. stuff I'm referring to. But yes, I often call like my, my favorite comedy is like so dumb. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> and like I mean that so endearingly. It's like I cherish it. It's <laughs> I mean to me something that's like if I'm laughing at something and saying it's so dumb. It is literally my favorite thing. Oh, yeah. Hi, my yes. favorite. Same thing when I'm directing. I'll be like, this is stupid. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. The dumb stuff needs to be out there. And I want to make more of it. You sounded like an evil genius for a second. And I want to make more of it. <laughs> Well, you know, now that we're at the end of the episode, we have to create something together. Let's okay. create something dumb. Great. Like, <laughs> maybe we should sort of define dumb when it comes to comedy. Like, it's kind of a hard thing to define, but usually it's like there's something that's intellectual about it. It's not low-hanging fruit kind of dumb. It's just like there's something about it that's so silly. Mm-hmm. But it actually, like Planet of the Base is a perfect example because the nuance of it is really brilliant. But the execution of it, and you watch, you're like, this is the dumbest thing. And so I think for me, my favorite dumb things are things that are like someone putting a lot of, of thought <laughs> and making a lot of, like, like they, they're functioning <laughs> at a high intellectual level, but they're making the silliest joke possible. That to me is the equation for like, this is dumb <laughs> and I love it. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so what, but I, we can't necessarily fully execute it, but like when you make something you're like, this is so dumb and I love it. What gets you to that place? Usually I was actually thinking about this prior to this podcast <laughs> because I get asked a lot to like define my writing or like how I approach my writing. And it's very much like, I always think about dichotomy. I always think about balance. Uh -huh. and what are like high stakes? What are high emotions? What are the things that like get people going? And then like, what's the opposite of that? Or like, what's the dumbest aspect of that that I can have <laughs> bring in? Uh -huh. Usually on paper, when I pitch it to someone, it sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like no just trust it just trust it it's gonna be amazing <laughs> like i have i've been really proud of this character i created recently i was playing around with actors who need support jobs or jobs that they're able to like to make a you know have a living mm -hmm. um you can't always rely on getting gigs right to, like bills etc so a lot of us have have support jobs like working in a coffee shop or working in an office i work in an office mm -hmm. um and then using that to be able to pursue what we want to be able to pursue creatively and i was just thinking about like how many of us like sneak out of work to like go to an audition or try yeah. to like, balance time and then like thinking about the type of roles people go out for and then also like well what could be the job somebody is sneaking out for so i have this character of this woman going to sneak out for the most ridiculous, most ridiculous roles you could think of. Uh -huh. And then we find out she works for the FBI and she's sneaking out while like the, the all the 
with like Trump with Russia and the collusion and uh-huh. supposed to be there when they were interrogating George Papadopoulos and she's not there because she's somewhere else. I think that is <laughs> to me that's dumb. <laughs> that's a perfect oh, example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. That one's so great. My dumb stuff, I don't know if it all like is as elaborate as yours. I also talk so much, Jason. <laughs> no, no. I just think I mean, I'm just not the writer you are, and it's why I admire you. But I'm not the right Eeyore. What explain that? I've never heard a, that. No, no, I'm the I'm not the the writer you are. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm from I have not lost the southern drawl. So I <laughs> words become one thing. I'm not the I'm right the- Eeyore. Um, I do kind of love that though. But like, what's something I did like a dumb TikTok that I love, <laughs> where I I was like trying to learn guitar and I was just like messing around, and I realized, oh, this is the beginning part of Layla. Oh, sweet! Like the acoustic version of it, but it was only like half of the lick, <laughs> and I couldn't like figure out the rest of it. So I was like, what if I did a video where I was saying like. I figured out how to play Layla. Here's how you do it. Because there are all those videos of like how you play Layla. And so I just like played that beginning part and was like, that's it. That's all I figured out. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) I made it seem like it was a lesson someone could buy or an album someone could buy that was me playing parts of songs. (laughs) It was just like a few notes and then stopping and just be like, hey. You go. <laughs> Which I That's thought was great. like so dumb. And I think part of it too is like how much, like what part are you leaning into? <laughs> and just to be like, this is stupid. And then I had a bit the other day with friends and I'm looking at notes to see what, I, what other dumb bits I had. I had one that was, because everyone was talking about that stupid Jason Aldean song, Try That in a Small Town. And oh, I was I like, that. Oh, yeah. It's just like he had a music video for it that referenced Black Lives Matter. So it's like, oh, you're racist. Great. We already knew you were a jerk. Now we know you're a racist jerk. Good for you, Jason Aldean. But I did. I had some dumb <laughs> dims, like <laughs> singing that title to John Cougar Mellencamp's small town. So it's try that in a small town. Try that in a small town. Try uh, in a small town, we're trying that in a small town. Which is just a dumb bit that I texted my friends and it will live there and here now, I guess. <laughs> it's like, but I'm stupid, but like, not like actually record it and put it out stupid. Okay. I probably have to like add something to it to make it work better. Also, this is tweet stupid. This isn't sketch stupid. Okay. But um, this thought the other day, if Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie, then fine. Home Alone is an action movie. <laughs> like, that's what <laughs> now Home Alone is an action thriller. <laughs> and okay. I, well, there's a, probably a way to like do some kind of dumb fun with that idea. I try to like I just want to convince people to argue that Home Alone is not a Christmas movie and it's actually an action movie. <laughs> I love that. I actually <laughs> love that so much. This reminded I was in, I, instead of doing theater in high school, I did debate, which I was not good at. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things I was debating was 
we had to like pick a movie a movie that's like the most representative of like america and i picked space jam of why space jam is like the most representative <laughs> like it was like it's sports it, it's all everything is in it so like you saying home alone as an action movie, like oh no let's do that's great i really love that <laughs> <laughs> If I presented that, if we were working in a, like a sketch lab and I present that idea, how would you try to, I guess it couldn't work as a sketch. If we we're going to try to make it something, what would yeah. you do to try to get it out there and make it like worth putting together? Oh, there's, I have three ideas immediately off of it. One mm -hmm. is like playing Home Alone or have it be like a transition with clips from Home Alone and either like tweak it so there's like explosions or something to make it like an action movie mm -hmm. or an actual sketch idea if there is like some literally just having somebody convince other folks that it's a action movie and immediately as well it's got to be like the head of a movie studio or something <laughs> they're trying to come up with the, the next action thriller and we find out his favorite or her favorite or their favorite is is home alone and then <laughs> going through the not just even that the the burglars or the sticky bandits are coming in and <laughs> the elaborate blueprints but even just kevin McAllister like going to the supermarket trying to buy the toothbrush that's also like an action movie because he's doing an action and then when that <laughs> great and, 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 and everything is gone and then the person the the neighbor who everyone thinks is a serial killer seeing him and then that's this the fear and running away um, <laughs> using even those little parts of it I don't, I'm, I'm trying to think of like them handing out the tickets in the car and then like counting the other kid. Just like playing around with the sound effects of that too, or just like the feelings, like trying mm -hmm. to the feelings of that. Cause when you think about like action movies, it's like it's thrill, it's adrenaline, but there's also like a lot of fear within that. And Home Alone, there's so much fear within it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, sort of <laughs> And then the third idea is, it's actually like a sketch prompt that I usually give folks when um, they're stuck, like taking an everyday thing and like mapping it onto a genre. Mm -hmm. So like going to the bathroom as an action movie, that, what would that look like, for example? So if like Home Alone is an action movie, like really turning up the moments that are the action moments within it. And then you could pre present it as like a live action trailer on stage. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. The more we talk about it, the more I just want to make a big argument for it. <laughs> it's not yeah. or it's a if i mean obviously a, the slapstick comedy but i mean it's two adults trying to harm a child you know like that is the movie yeah <laughs> like the, is that does that sound like a christmas movie so like you could re-edit a trailer and make it intense and make it feel like or at least make it feel like it's an action comedy mm -hmm. and not a christmas movie yeah what dumb fun. There it is, Amanda. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's always so interesting hearing folks do like a little dive into things I've done. Because I always forget everything. So yeah. it was a nice walk down memory lane for me. So thank you. Oh my gosh, she's so funny, isn't she? Oh, what a delight. Don't forget about Character Night this Saturday at The Magnet. That show is at 7.30, and it is a recurring show, so if you can't make it this Saturday, go to magnettheater.com to keep up with it. Follow Amanda on Twitter at Amanda Zeller and on Instagram at wildladypegpegpeg. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at There It Is, and follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes and Instagram at Jason Farr Picks. Also subscribe to our comedy 
Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links in bio. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 